Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Tuesday, November 15th. And John, we are officially back to 500. It's kind of how I live my life. Just getting by. Just, just not bad. Just not good. Feels, feels very uh, fitting. But doing well enough to for people to tell you you did well enough to get a t-shirt. Because you get a t-shirt to go to a bowl game. So, like, that's the bar, is getting a t-shirt, is is the, how the season's gone, man. Um, they won. We, we, listen, we were not sure we were going. We're still not sure, for the record. We don't want to get, get ahead of ourselves here, fat and sassy. But uh, we're still not sure we're getting that t-shirt. But at this point, man, we're, we're standing out in the freezing cold. The t-shirt sounds pretty good. <laughs> That's a very good point. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the the win over Rutgers, um, 27 to 21 this week, there was a lot of good things, a lot of watchouts. But um, before we get into the box score, Austin, I think the takeaway for me is that, like, we can have a volatile year, but if we're – we don't get into a habit of losing to teams that have less talent than us. That's a really good base because if, if you can just keep building the talent, like we think this staff can, the teams that are worse than you in talent keeps getting more and more. And you just kind of grow that way. If there were very volatile and and losing games like Rutgers, but then winning, you know, crazier games, that to me is a little shakier. Like, there's not a lot of uh, foundation built there. And so when they win games like this, to me, it just says, like, okay, uh, this can still work. You know, we're still headed very much in the right direction. We're not losing the dumb ones. And um, that was my my takeaway for this game. Yeah, that's a really good, uh, good point, especially as it pertains to, like, the long-term potential of the of the program they're not it's it's less volatile i think than other five and fives you might you might see um now certainly it's been a streaky five and five there's no doubt about that um but the important part is they are now uh again sitting here two weeks ago we're talking about how they might miss a bowl game you know nothing looked certain and now here we are today and they've got got to win one of their last two um now have won three of four in a row three out of their last four i should say and uh yeah feeling again maybe not the prettiest wins but but yeah. wins nonetheless um well, we'll start with some of the good stuff i think for the second week in a row uh you saw the running game perform really well um Surprise. as team ran for almost 200 yards uh broussard and jalen berger each going for over 80 
uh, even Thorne chipping in with a handful of scrambles. So it, you love to see that. I think we said it last week, but to expound on it, you know, to to not only see that from your backs, but to do it with a lot of young offensive linemen playing is even more encouraging. Saw a lot more Baldwin, saw some Vandemark, um, a handful of other youngsters who I'm forgetting. Wigginton, I think we saw in there again. We might be missing a couple others, but you're starting to see these younger, more talented, more highly recruited guys play along that unit, which is an incredibly important unit. And uh, really, they did a great job of keeping Thorne clean and um, getting that running game going. And, and yes, grain of salt here, it is Rutgers. I think that's fair. But to your point, that's what Michigan State did in this game we were supposed to do to teams you're better than, kind yeah. of period, end of story. Um, so from, from a good perspective, that was fantastic. One other thing to throw in offensively, and then I'll let you jump in. It was nice to see Daniel Barker. Um, we heard a lot about how big of a difference a, a tight end could make in the system this year. And, you know, we've heard that so many times, uh, seems like, you know, forever as Michigan state fans, but, uh, you finally kind of really his second big game of the year, four catches, 64 yards, and including a 26 yard, I believe it was touchdown. Um, he was just running wide open in the middle of the field, a handful of different times and, you know, gets, gets you excited to think about. You know, I know this will be his probably only year in East Lansing, but um, if they can keep finding a way to use that position, it just does so much for for the entire offense, uh, top to bottom. So it was excited to see that from him, and then obviously Jaden Reed doing his thing offensively as well. You you've just been so starved of t- tight end play, oh, you just like can't get enough. When you I, I am <laughs> I am desperate. I'm like trying. I'm looking for like water droplets out of a towel that you're wringing out. Like that's, that's all I need from my tight ends Four four catches for 64 yards is like a field day. It's a great day, especially lately. Uh, Peyton Thorne uh, had a went 19 to 35, 256 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. And, you know, the, the Twitter timeline and, and message boards would have you um, think that he had a worse line than that. And I, I totally hear, <clears throat> I think people are a little frustrated potentially because they know he can make the throws he's missing. We've seen him do it. So it, we've talked about the regression potential and and that, and that can be frustrating. But I also think he is, while probably not the, the national championship quarterback answer, he certainly, um, I, in my eyes, overperformed for the expectation that people had going into last year when we remember that it was between him and uh, a Temple quarterback. Anthony Russo. And, well, and yes, I just had to mention Temple because that's <laughs> where we were at. Like, that's where we were at. So um, I, I just think, like, yeah, maybe uh, he had a nice game and it's never going to be elite. Maybe I think that's okay. If you just look at, at it through the lens of being a bridge quarterback, like Jared Goff, like, is that fair or are you going to push back? No, I don't think that's unfair at all. I mean, I think people have to remember this is a kid you flipped from Western Michigan, I think, you know, at some point down the stretch of a recruitment. And this, once again, we've talked about it a million times. This is the difference in expectation from Mel Tucker recruiting versus Mark D'Antonio. I mean, that that was just a sign of the time. So it was a sign of health of the program that that's when you flipped him, you didn't feel terrible about it. And, you know, I think we've come to expect a a little bit more. I I think my frustration, you know, 
with Thorne, again, kind of to your point, comes from having seen him do great things. We've seen him make just about every single throw. We've seen him make smart decisions. But then so frequently this year, you know, it's been a lot of uh, the other way around, just kind of silly mistakes and stuff that you're hoping he would grow out of coming into this year, but obviously hasn't. Um, now, all credit to him for this game. Uh, I thought, like you said, I thought he commanded the offense really well. Honestly, you know, uh, probably could have easily scored more than, you know, 27 points just based on the way that he played. Um, like you said, no interception. So did what he had to do. Uh, the reason this game was closed, I think, was not on the offense or or Thorne. So, you know, he, he played well. I, I will say the only thing I'll say for Thorne is that, you know, we've only got two, you know, ideally three games left in this entire season. Right. And I've said it before, and we'll talk about it when we do our, like, season wrap-up, but this is the guy that if you want to be more than this next year, th- th- he is um, the number one place where that change can come from. And quite frankly, like, it has to. It has to. Like this consistent guy that we saw in this game is the guy you have to see in big moments in the future. Uh, you know, next year, and honestly, down the stretch this year, if you want to, you know, upset somebody like Penn State and win a bowl game against a decent team, you're going to need this type of performance. So I think, um, much like the entire program, really, uh, you have a chance to continue to to build momentum here going down the stretch and into a really important offseason. And he's done a great job over the last two weeks of, of like laying the tracks for, mm-hmm. for that level of success. Yeah. And so, you know, another week to do the right thing, beat the team that is not as good as you. And you can kind of take an, the next step in the season and say, okay, is there anything more? And you go into a game at, at a top 10 Penn state and you can wash a lot of the way you know, the, the yucks from the early of the season, I think, with, with a win there. But one thing at a time, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so just, just to kind of sum up his success over the last two weeks, you know, against Illinois and Rutgers. Illinois, obviously, the adverse conditions, but he still played really well, all those things considered. You know, he's, he's completing, I think, over 50, you know, 50-some-odd 50 percent, 55% call it, uh, of his passes. He's thrown for over 438 yards four touchdowns, one pick that down the middle, like that on average is if you're going to get that from Thorne, you can be very, very happy. Um, so yeah, lots, lots to like there. And quite honestly, even back, you know, even factoring in Michigan, you look at his last four games, uh, he's performed honestly pretty well. If you even go back to Wisconsin. So there's three out of his last four. I mean, he's got, let's see, seven touchdowns and only two picks. I'm sure he's completing a decent amount of his, passes and you know over 200 plus yards a game so it, he's he started off really sketchy and I think we still see some some moments from him that you're like what is going on but all in all I think he's actually kind of like to your point John performing up to the expectation that I think anyone would put on him realistically I mean go look at that Daniel Barker touchdown that he threw that before he was opening and he yep. dropped it in the spot it was that was like there's there he is here he there's is. the guy yeah a couple other uh funny things happened this game um Two two field goals were made by Michigan State. We haven't seen a field goal action this season. And uh, MSU blocked a field goal. And then Amir Speed just, like, dropped the ball. (laughs) I mean, they came in with two field goals made on the season, which I did not realize until I saw the stat flash up on my TV. I was like, you have, like, that's, (laughs) how, how is that possible? (laughs) 
but yeah, to make two, including, you know, again, come back to some questionable uh, decision-making maybe on the play, the play callers, but to get Pat and credit, I think one of the ones he hit was like a 40 something yarder towards the end of the game. Um, yeah. A 48 yarder. I don't think anybody felt like that was going to come close. Oh, so this is, we've seen him kicks. We've seen him miss. So uh huge confidence builder quite, quite honestly really wish that would have happened in maybe like the second game of the season instead of the 10th game of the season. Yeah. But you know, Hey, then progress is progress, I suppose. <laughs> Just, um, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe something changed here at the second half of the season. We're operating on all cylinders, potentially. Um, all right, well, the only dumb thing that – like two uh, bad things I think we need to address. The defensive line depth was clearly glaring in this oh, game. Yeah. Rutgers had 224 yards on the ground. Um, you know, could argue Michigan State put themselves in this position, and so that's the situation. But um, – you know, it's just being very noticeable now uh, when Rutgers yeah. is overperforming like that. I, I fully agree with that. Um, defensively, you know, uh, Kyle Monang, Monangai, Monangai, I think is how they pronounce it. Yeah, 24 carries for 162 yards, um, picking up chunks too, but not not a lot of like one, you know, huge. Uh, ones that he busted off that skewed this average. I think those were 162 very deserved yards. Um, and like yeah, like he was kind of a stud. He was, he played really well. In that game, um, like he had never done anything all year. Yeah. I, I, I think it is worth remember taking it with a little bit of grain of salt, just between injuries and those suspensions, like they impacted that front seven as much as they impacted anything else. Um, and so, you know, I, I take, like this isn't good, but this also isn't indicative of what Michigan State's defenses are going to look like here for for really maybe maybe ever again. Quite honestly, uh, so it it is what it is. The part that defensively makes me a little more nervous is that uh, we talked about Gavin Wimsett last week and how he hasn't done. He's completing less than fifty percent of his passes. It just like isn't very good right now. He comes out, goes twenty of thirty four for two hundred thirty six yards, two touchdowns. Uh, and no picks. Um, one of his touchdowns was the last touchdown that he completed. I think it was like fourth and 25. Um, just kind of, yeah, 29. Just throws the ball up in the end zone. I, I mean, that was, that's enough for me to start maybe saying some irresponsible things about certain players and whether or not they have futures in the Big Ten. Because, like, you can't do that. You can't give that up. Like, it's the one thing you can't do. Uh, it's just, like, I couldn't – I could not believe it. So, for the second straight week, Michigan State wins kind of almost in spite of the way that they play in the very, very, you know, crucial moments of the game. Credit – again, Patton made a field goal. Credit to him. Overall, I thought the team, you know, offense performed quite well. Credit to them. But, like, to <laughs> to let Wimsack go, like, go off like that on you is – just a, another, you know, um, yeah, sign that maybe the answer isn't uh, isn't on the roster at this point or in the in the booth at this point. Fair. Well, um, I think you could say that also assistant coaches are very much being evaluated as the season comes to an end. Um, who Precisely. Say, who you know who whose units improved over the time, right? I think there's a lot of hope when you see the offensive 
uh, line and the rush improve in the second half season, you can like feel a little bit better about that position coach, right? Um, so that's where you want to see the improvements in certain areas. And and then I think everyone is probably in a prove it situation. Yeah, as they should be. And and honestly, like as I like they they need to take an honest look at up and down the coaching staff from from obviously Mel's not going anywhere, but every single other coach down the rest of the stretch here, regardless of whether you're playing down men or anything like that, like at some point the numbers are you are what the numbers say you are and like there's a there's a pretty bad story to tell for several of the coaches following that line of logic so you know like i said hopefully uh they can turn some things around so they don't have to make any drastic changes coming into next year but i wouldn't rule it out by by any stretch yeah i think uh that's why it's so important to get to the bowl game because you get yes. all the bowl practices for the the younger guys that you were talking about who are maybe moving into more permanent roles um, now that they've you know gotten enough reps to to see where they truly stand. So really need to uh, take care of business, ideally this coming week. Yeah, I mean this is once again if we want to you know delve into a little preview here, um, I will save that. But yes, this is once again. Uh, a must-win game, in my in my estimation. You you're playing at home on this is your senior day. You're playing against a bad Indiana team. Like you, you have you have to you have to win this game. So yeah, we'll talk about that one more later. But um, one last shout out before we move on. Um, huge shout out to uh, Cal Halliday. Oh yeah. Second second week in a row as Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, Twenty tackles in this game. It was an absolute machine. I think, uh, you know, say what you want about him. Is he an elite athlete? No. You know, uh, is he only in this position because other guys are suspended? Yes. But all he has done is perform. He has holes in his game. He's not great in coverage, whatever. But that dude just comes up and hits in the running game and cleans up other people's messes. So credit to him for, uh, like, taking advantage of of an opportunity to play and just, like, running with it. Because he's going to end up Michigan State's leading tackler, I would imagine, by a decent margin when it's all said and done. For sure. Yeah, good call. 19 tackles is 19. I, I looked it up to see what the single game record was, but I couldn't find it in the record book. But I have to imagine it was it would have made the list, I'm guessing. I would think so. I can't imagine that somebody had maybe more, but can't be able to buy a lot. That's what I mean. Like it would probably be on the list. So if anyone knows, um, I'm interested. Same. All right. Uh, should we take a break and then um, take a look around the country? I think we shall. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Then we are back. John, we had some games. Some games happened. 
it was a weird slate. It like didn't look like that compelling of a slate, and yet we got some some very weird things going on. I I think I enjoyed a lot of it. Yeah, um, winter setting in LSU at Arkansas. That under was nice. That was a nice. <laughs> uh, I think that it was like a wild sixty point over under or something stupid. So um, thirteen to ten final, uh, just because eighty percent of those guys have never played in the cold in their life. <laughs> I think I'm kidding, but maybe I'm not. So, um, LSU clinched the SEC West. So, playoff berth in play for the Tigers. This will be fascinating, the way the SEC shakes out. Um, So, it's LSU, Georgia, confirmed, I believe, in the SEC championship game. Um, Dude, again, I think we've said it before, but, like, Brian Kelly, man. (laughs) All the credit in the world to him. He has been clowned. He just outrageously clowned throughout last offseason and the early part of this year. And again, if not for botching an extra point, yeah. like you're you're making a very and you even in spite of that, even with that happening, you're making a very strong case for making the playoff in your your first year um, beating Alabama. You've got a chance to. I mean, listen, they control their own destiny. It is against Georgia, but like you you win the SEC championship game. You're going to the playoff. Like, I don't know who else is, but you definitely are. Well, and Florida State is not a joke anymore. No. Like, all of a sudden, that that one-point loss is aging pretty well. So, might be the real deal. Are we? Are you ready to put them into contender status? Or are they still a contender? I, I think you have to put them into a contender status. I think they have they have to be in, because they are. I mean, like they're. That means, that means you think that they can. You think that they can beat Georgia, potentially twice. They have to play them twice. Oh well, once in the playoff. Oh, you mean like a national title? Okay, no, I think they're a playoff contender for sure. Okay. I don't. I honestly don't think anyone else is a national title contender except for Georgia. So, I, it's like them and everybody else in my estimation. But. Um, I, I could absolutely, I, you know, it's, it's it would not shock me if they beat them one time. I don't know if they're going to get them twice. I just think Kirby Smart's yeah. too good of a coach, but and they're just too talented. But I wouldn't shock me if they went and won uh, the SEC championship game. It would surprise me, but it wouldn't shock me. I mean, you beat Bama, like, yeah. I know if this isn't you know your vintage Bama team, especially defensively, but like that's that should still mean something. It does. It absolutely does. Well, uh, well, we'll keep an eye on the Tigers here. Um, out of left field. Let's see. Uh, Alabama held on again, uh, beating Miss- Mississippi 30-24. Uh, to 24. It was like every Alabama game is like an adventure, and I'm not used to it because they're just are such a machine that usually you get one close game a year with them, and it's, it's like a stop, drop everything, and watch it because there's no way that could happen. This year it's happened four times. Yeah, I think what would concern me if I was a Bama fan is it's the defense. Like, they've given up a ton, way more points than an Alabama defense usually does. You know, dating all the way back to Texas. I mean, they only gave up 19 points in that game. But since then, you know, 26 to Arkansas, 20 to Texas A&M, 52 to Tennessee, 32 to LSU, and 24 to Mississippi State. Again, these aren't like – most of those are not outrageous numbers by any stretch. But but we're talking about Alabama. Like, the state – the standard is different for what a lot versus a little is defensively from them. And like, what would 
scare me if I'm a Bama fan is that Bryce Young's not going to be there next year to bail you out. Bryce Young has been a magician getting this team even to this point. It feels like he's willed them to several of these wins, kind of including this game, in all honesty. So um, that would scare me a little bit if I was a Bama fan because listen, we've seen Jalen Milrow is a phenomenal athlete, but you don't get – even if you're Alabama, you don't get guys that go 1-1 at quarterback all that often, and they might have one of those this year. So, uh, you, you know, that's – I'd be a little, I'd be a little bit nervous for the, for the first time you got LSU looking good. Georgia's obviously incredible. Like, you know, it's be fair to be a little nervous if you're a Bama fan. Yeah. Which I, I can't believe. I love that they're going through it. Everyone should experience fear in their life at least once. Um, <laughs> Every football fan. <laughs> yeah, sure. Dread. Uh, so how many tweets do you think uh, Lane Kiffin deleted from his drafts after this loss? Uh, is there a limit? I like he was going to, as you would say, let the chapa sing. Like, oh, uh, Elon's Twitter knows no limit, so I have a figure, or I have a feeling he's uh, he had quite the the clip ready to roll. <laughs> All right, man, I just like to think of like him mad deleting like <laughs> by himself in his office. Like, this was good. This is so good. This is such a good tweet. Yeah. Oh, Miss Man, that'd be interesting. Like, I'm. I wonder if he's actually a candidate for Auburn. I think it's. I think he doesn't want to get into like the jokey joke, head coaching battle, you know, over the yeah. next decade with Mike Leach, because that like isn't that prestigious. Right. By going to Auburn, you get a shot at Saban, like. And everyone watches and like you get mm-hmm. to elevate yourself, you know, as the guy. I, yeah, I feel like for him, Ole Miss isn't prestigious enough, which is sad because it's a it's a fun school. But like it's also true, like it doesn't match the prestige of of Auburn, which it, 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 even so Auburn, I wouldn't say is there's somewhere in the fifth to seventh most prestigious program in that conference. And yet they're definitely a step up over Ole Miss. And I they're they're one that could jump up a class, you know. Like we've seen enough from Auburn that they they could jump up a class in terms of where you are in that echelon. And uh, I, I I'm just dude. And also like if he leaves though, you're an Ole Miss fan. That's brutal, man. That's just so brutal. You gave him everything in the world. He's gotten all the players he could possibly want in the transfer portal and everywhere else, and yet he's yeah. still gonna leave you for a program that is in absolute shambles. Um, that would be a tough one. I don't feel bad for them at all. Those guys are all losers. Okay, that's there's also that take. <laughs> Although there's their their uniforms are clean in those baby blues. Yeah, they are awesome. Oh, I can't wait to see where Lane Kiffin coaches next year because I'm like pretty sure it's not going to be Ole Miss, and it's we are we also talked about Texas A&M, which let's talk mm-hmm. about Jimbo Packwatch. I don't. <laughs> My favorite time. Dude, you know you know there's a donor that's getting an itchy trigger finger. There's no served, way around it. I was served on my laptop a an article. I didn't ask for it. It just popped up <laughs> from front office sports that said um, the, like the intricacies of buying out Jimbo Fisher's $85 million contract. And I was like, uh, the technology understands me now, and I don't <laughs> like it here because 
the algorithm that, truly does know you. That article is exactly what I want to read right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, it is so funny to see him struggle. This is kind of like what I'm talking about with Michigan State, like beating Rutgers. Texas A&M has a thousand times more talent and is losing two teams like Rutgers. That's yeah. where they're at. And like, there's no base there. Like, your base cannot be, I accumulate talent because we already have seen that you can't beat teams even with it. So like the recruiting thing kind of throw out the window there. So yeah, right. they probably think they do need to move on because he can't beat guys when you have better teams. That's, that's I just, I, but I, I, this is going to be, as they ha- are pretty much every off season, but like this is the team to watch because <laughs> like I said, there is a donor out there who is who is aggressively trying to rationalize <laughs> spending eighty five million dollars to to get rid of him. Because let's let's I mean, help him. Ah, Give me your pitch on why he should be playing. Yeah, he's three and seven with like a literal team that had an incredible amount of talent coming in this year and the the literal best recruiting class of all time. The literal greatest recruiting class in modern recruiting service history is our freshman at Texas A&M. And it's not basketball. It's different. Yeah. They don't all make an immediate impact. But, like, how, how even so, that cannot possibly lead you to three and seven. It's not even like the quarterbacks have gotten hurt. They've had plenty of quarterbacks. Right. It, it's just unbelievable. And they beat Miami. Another program and Arkansas. Like to put on, on Packwatch. Miami, Florida. I mean, um, dude, they're a three-win team with two top 13 wins. That would be the most infuriating part of this whole thing for me. That's, you can't build a, well, do you think he'll get another year? Because he has the that freshman class, if none of them transfer, I guess. Well, that's the other part about the offseason that'll be fascinating. Is it's like, do these guys believe? Like, yeah. Do, yeah. do the players want to stay and like be a part of it? Because if they don't, like, if you see the... You know, those players start to jump ship. I think you're if it's not this offseason, it's it's the next one if they have another underachieving season. And the problem for Jimbo is that if like underachieving with this level of talent is like winning seven games, you could argue is underachieving. Well, and that's how we feel. And we don't have <laughs> dude, as much talent as them. And they will at best win five this year. <laughs> I know. Like I that's like I, I don't know how you match up just like expectations with reality like it's not realistic for them to be if this is how they're going to be with this team I, I can't imagine it getting a ton better and i just can't imagine AM fans or donors or anybody being comfortable with it not being a ton better so it feels like it's an, an inevitable when not if pending some just crazy turnaround so i don't know once again i mean listen if you're listening to this texas a&m players and or recruits East Lansing, it's a lovely place. <laughs> we would we would love to have it. quite literally, I think just about any of you come play for our team in some way, shape, or form. So, you know, Mel, much cooler guy. So yeah, just just come hang out. Can vouch. Um all right, well, here's another big game that took place. Uh, Washington at Oregon. Uh, Washington wins 37 to 34. Penix NFL pick. Uh, after this game and that loss sunk it's looking a lot easier to swallow uh lately wouldn't you say 
the, yeah, the loss to Washington. Absolutely. I mean, you know, at this point, I, I believe Washington is tied for the best record in the Pac-12 where they're one game behind. I believe they're eight and two. Let's yeah. pull it up. USC yeah. is nine and one. Yep. USC now the only team that's technically better uh, record-wise. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, Caleb DeBoer is is either going to be an incredible coach at Washington and they're going to get like what they've always wanted, which is like their long-term head coach, or he's going to get hired somewhere else very, very quickly. So if they're, if they've got brains in Washington, they need to give him a big time extension soon because he turned this thing around, you know, pretty much overnight. Um, They are one really stupid loss away from being very much in the playoff conversation. They lost at Arizona state somehow 45 to 38 yeah. If that's not if that's not on the resume, their only other loss is at UCLA, who did lose this week, but is is eight and two, uh, and it's a road loss by you know eight points. It's you can excuse that, but you know on, in reality they're on the outside looking in. But like yeah, it's, in terms of Michigan State losses, that one's looking very very justifiable. And quite honestly, if you go up and down MSU's schedule, that is one thing that has kind of come to to mind here a little bit. None of the losses are that bad. Like, it's not like MSU stinks. What's that? I think the Maryland and the Minnesota ones still kind of stinks. They're not good. Don't get me wrong. Those are not good losses, but those aren't losing to Rutgers. Those aren't losing to Indiana. Like, something to be said. Well, let's see. Slow down. We'll see. (laughs) No. I say say that to say if you lose to Indiana this weekend, that is by far the worst loss of the season and one that we can all get very collectively mad about for good reason. I'm glad we could make Washington, Oregon about us. Uh, yes, as always. Georgia took care of business at Mississippi State, winning 45 to 19. Um, the engine just like slowly gets rolling with them. They're just like better Michigan, you know, like the game just slowly gets out of hand for the other team. It's it's never like a bang, bang, bang situation. For teams that play against Georgia. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Georgia's just, they're just incredible. Like, they 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 choke the life out of you. Um, and we might, you know what we might need to do? We might need to give Stetson Bennett his flowers because... He's nice. He, he threw two picks in this game, but 25 of 37 or 289 and three touchdowns. I, I feel like Stetson Bennett's got a 10-plus year NFL backup career waiting for him if he wants it. That or he becomes, like the biggest restaurateur in Athens, Georgia and owns like every single, like just blocks of, of Athens. Um, it's really up to him, which way he wants to go. He could own that state, man, in some way. Like (laughs) he brought them a national championship. Like he doesn't have to do anything this year. Yeah. And he might bring them too. Yeah. I know that would be for that type of recruit would be, um, pretty wild and that's a bama thing though like that's why i think we're because this is what for those who may not remember because there were times when alabama didn't have tua didn't have jalen hurts and didn't have bryce young like there were times when they had uh john parker wilson and blake sims and greg mcelroy and they were still winning national championships before they even leveled up and got these guys so like Right. That that might be what we're looking at with with Georgia. They're in the early part of that because the dudes they have behind him are uh, are all very very high recruits who I'm sure will turn into beasts right away. 
I'm a huge fan of head coaches playing on Heisman level and not <laughs> playing a good quarterback. Like you're just trying to like you're challenging yourself, and I think that's really admirable. Yeah, turn the sliders way up for the opponent. <laughs> um, TCU just keeps on winning. 17 to 10 win at Texas. I think we should all root for TCU. I think oh, it's time. Absolutely. Um, they just keep finding weird ways to win, too. Like, they didn't play well in this game. They only scored 17 points, but they completely shut down Texas's running game. Bijan Robinson, who's, if there's going to be a running back drafted highly next year, it's going to be him. 12 carries for 29 yards. Ewers looked uncomfortable the whole day, threw a pick, completed less than 50% of his passes. And you would think that that means TCU on the other side, you know, if they're going to win, Max Duggan's going to have to have this great day. And Quentin Johnson is going to have to have a huge day as well. Well, Johnston had a touchdown, but Duggan didn't do much. Only 124 yards in, through the air and one touchdown. They really ran the ball over them, though. Kendra Miller had uh, 138 yards and a touchdown, including a 75-yard run. Um, I, I don't know what else there is to say about TCU. TCU has very, like, team of destiny-ish vibes. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I just, I just hope they can – get the job done because man, they are just tap dancing on a razor's edge right now. And they have been pretty much the entire season. You got to go to Baylor, got to host Iowa state, and then you get a championship game. And, and I, I d hate to do this, but I think if they lose any of those, including the championship game, they're probably not going to make the, the playoff no, because I just absolutely. said that conference just isn't very good. And there's plenty of other one loss teams from better conferences that are in this same conversation. So you got to win out, but if you do win out, you should be in. Oh my God. They're easily. And they're the fun team. Everyone can root for like, yep. finally, it's like a team, a program that no one seems to hate. Or, yeah. yeah. They're harmless. It's fun. That, good for them. I think they would be the weirdest. You know, maybe some people would say Michigan State, but I think they'd be the the craziest outside of maybe e even more so than Cincinnati, the craziest yes. inclusion so far. I think so. That's a good call. Um, and then getting no love nationally, North Carolina also keeps <sighs> 36 to 34 win, getting zero college football playoff talk. Mm -hmm. We'll see how the rankings come out tonight, but. Um, it, Drake May. They, I think you got to start at least mentioning them. Like they just keep doing this in like a really what feels like a super unsustainable way, which is why I don't think anyone's giving them any credit because people are like, this is going to fall apart and be spectacular when it does. Um, but all they do is keep winning. I mean, Drake May's unbelievable 448 yards, three touchdowns. We haven't mentioned him enough though, but his number one receiver, Josh Downs, is. A very, very, very good wide receiver. He's up to 74 catches, 847 yards, and 11 touchdowns on the year. I believe he had all three, yep, all three of the touchdown catches in this game. You know, May is phenomenal, but it's not like he doesn't have a superstar to throw it to because Downs is is every bit that. But like, it, it's also funny because I think the ACC uh, should right now have two would have two undefeated teams if they just didn't play Notre Dame. Notre yeah. Dame's the only team to beat Clemson and now the only team to beat North Carolina. Um, so we'll see. I mean, they've got a that 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 North Carolina Clemson game at the end of the year is shaping up to, you know, I don't know that it's necessarily a de facto playoff game, but it's it's a 
round of 16 playoff game. It's an eliminator, that's for sure. It's an eliminator. It's fun, but it's also a waste of time because we saw <laughs> what Notre Dame did to against Ohio State. Yep. And we saw what they did against North Carolina and Clemson. And I get transition or, or excuse me, a tra- just like playing the this team played this team. So this team played this team. Like, I get that. It's not always equal, but Notre Dame did it twice. And so and they've struggled at other time points this year. So yep. like the ACC just isn't that strong. And trust me, I will be rooting for one of these teams if they make the playoffs. Probably North Carolina, definitely. Just oh, to, yeah. you know, break, beat the Death Star just for fun. But it's just also not going to happen. Just like I rooted for Cincinnati. It's like not happening. No, I, I, North Carolina, if one of these chaos teams is going to get in at the, the four spot, right? If, we, if we're just going to, you know, do some major assumptions here and say Georgia gets the number one seed and, we're, you know, somehow UNC gets in as the four. Of all of these teams, maybe Tennessee aside, even though we've already seen it from Tennessee, so I guess they are aside. North Carolina is the one that I actually think could could maybe at least make them make them uncomfortable because they yeah. have, yeah, because they have the quarterback to do it, it's and true. they have a, a, a what you need to beat a team like Georgia is just one dude that they simply cannot handle. And I again, I'm not sure that guy exists. But if it does, Downs to me is that guy. And if you have that guy, you need a quarterback who can, you know, make things happen and get him the ball. And they have that in Drake May. So, I, I mean, as I look around, like I could probably I could talk myself into USC, but USC's defense is no good. Neither is UNC's. But um, I don't know that there's like somebody that actually could make them scared or or do anything of of real note. But I would love to see UNC try. Also, it would be a great jersey matchup game. Great call on the jersey matchup. Uh, we overlook that sometimes. <clears throat> yeah, it's an interesting, fun thing. I think we've seen Oklahoma come in with a great quarterback and just get mm. pantsed, too. Very true. But, you know, like, whatever. Um, I think UNC has five wins by three points or less. Wow. That's uh, what I'm saying. A sixth by a touchdown. So, <laughs> man, by the skin of their teeth. Um, Ohio State choosing to do it uh, with less stress, winning all of their games uh, a bit more comfortably, beating Indiana 56 to 14. Um, Mayan Williams got hurt. And so their third running back uh, came in and had over 100 yards rushing. So um, they're having fun. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about games that uh, just don't matter. This this would be one of them. Uh, quick shout out, though, to Cameron Babb. Um, for those who don't know his story, he's a fifth-year senior at Ohio State, former high four-star recruit. Has torn his ACL four times, four times. What? But has kept playing and caught his first career touchdown pass uh, in this game. Um, just kind of a cool feel-good story for a dude who was like very highly recruited and like uber talented, and just 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 some of the worst luck you'll ever hear of. But caught his first touchdown in this game. Very very cool story, and also. Another thing, not I should have saved uh, that feel-good moment for last, but to take it back to NFL draft talk, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best receiver. I, no, I was just talking about downs. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best receiver of college football, and I don't think it's particularly close. Did you see the catch that he made in this game? Uh, no. The picture? Oh, my God. 
Oh, well, with his foot on the side. Yes. I, it, I was I was like, this isn't one of those pictures where it's not his foot. It's no, his it's foot. his foot. It's yeah. it, it is bonkers the level of talent that this guy has. So uh, just standard day at the office for him: seven catches, 135 yards, and touchdown, and just a, a, a circus grab. So um, j- just amazing stuff from him. So yeah, we, we should all be feel very bad for Ohio State that they're just you know so bereft of talent. Um, moving forward. Oh man, Illinois, uh, drops one at home 31 to 24. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Some, some could argue we, Michigan state broke their spirit. Uh, I mean, listen, I'm not going to sit here and take any credit that we may or may not deserve, but I mean, yeah, that's obviously what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's just tough, man. You know, you, you, I think we all kind of felt like this was coming. Mm-hmm. The, the, sh- the other shoe was destined to drop after looking how bad their schedule was. But then to lose back to back to Michigan State and Purdue almost seems cruel. Your last two home games of the season before you go on the road and play Michigan, now without your, probably without your running back, who, if you can believe it, all the carries caught up to him. Um, yeah, tough, tough loss for the Illini. But I mean, I mean, listen, they're they're at the point though where it's if you lose, well, you can't lose to Northwestern. If you split your last two, eight win regular season, like, who's mad about that? You know. Sure. They, I mean, it's it's sad because it's like we talked about this. I think a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about like look around the the state of the programs around. It's not as bad. Like when we talked about this one, they were undefeated when we talked about it. And we were like, yep. we know the ceiling on that program. Like right. that, that sucks. But um, you feel a little bad, but then you remember their basketball Twitter is really annoying. So. Yes. They're trending up though. Of all of those programs over there, they're, they're like you said, probably sure. the one that I would feel the best about. So cool. very jump jumbo shrimp situation, but still. I'm just so unmoved by that statement. Um, Michigan took care of Nebraska 34 to 3. Nebraska is so bad. Like three points, dude. That's where they're <laughs> that's where they're at. I yeah, I, I don't know. They cracked me up. Eight I love downs. I love Nebraska because there has to be a Nebraska. It has to exist. And 46 total yards this game. 71 passing yards. Yeah. I mean, dude, I, I, I have to give, I have to give Michigan some credit as much as it kills me to do it. Like did they, it must be so rewarding to watch them against every team. That's not incredibly great. And to like root for them because it's effortlessly like, it's such meathead meat and potatoes football all they do they just grind you to a powder and 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 they win and you can't do anything about it um so i mean they did it once again here nebraska obviously not a good team but they did what you're supposed to do against teams that are bad they went 34 to 3 now they host illinois um who is going to try somehow to run the ball on, on them it will not work they'll win by a similar score if not worse and then they go to the horseshoe and it becomes like you know essentially a a playoff uh a playoff game, really. Well, um, they're going to need everyone 
playing at all cylinders, and that will probably include J.J. McCarthy, who had an uninspiring game, 8 of 17 mm -hmm. uh, for 129 yards, two touchdowns, uh, but was sacked a couple times, and no real uh, rushing game to speak of. So, uh, yep. although he did have a, a, a touchdown, I think it was a QB sneak. So uh, he, uh, th th That's it, though. Like he is the key to the whole thing because, like I said, when I was just you know being nice to Michigan, it's when they don't play elite teams. Ohio State's an elite team. Like I don't know if you can get away with that quarterback performance against them because they're going to score on you. Whereas they don't. They, this is the same thing we've talked about with them forever. It's like when they don't have to do anything different, so they don't. Like mm -hmm. I think just about any team could line up and play the style that they play, but they don't because they know that there is an Achilles heel and like a, a, a long-term downstream, like limit to it. Um, but Michigan doesn't want to do that, which is going to lead to a lot of these nine and 10 win, 10, 11 win seasons. And then ultimately flaming out in the, in the big moments. We'll see, we'll see if they can get back to where they were last year. Cause I doubt Ohio state is going to uh, be very friendly in that game. Uh, speaking of not very friendly in a game, Penn State blanks Maryland 30 to nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like you to meet my good friend, November Maryland. How are you? It's been to, it's been since, well, last year at this time. You're right on schedule. I, I mean, this is here, if you, again, comparing programs, Loxley, how infuriating would this be as a fan? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, there's volatility here. They don't always beat teams that are worse than them. Granted, Penn State is much better than them, but they don't even compete in those games. So, I mean, while Maryland will likely finish with a better record than Michigan State this year, I still feel better about Michigan State's program trajectory than theirs. It's not impossible that they finish with the same regular season record. I mean, Maryland sure. has to play Ohio State, like you said, and then they have to play... Rutgers. Um, in all likelihood, they'll beat Rutgers. Probably they should, but it's not impossible that they lose that game. Um, sure. So, yeah, I, I would feel much better if I was, you know, I, and that's something that as we get into Indiana, we'll talk about a little bit more. But like, how you end the season is uh, honestly, if you're not a champion, you know, one of those contenders, like how you end the season is arguably significantly more important than how you start it. Because that creates all of your momentum going into an offseason. And, like, right. positive vibes going into an offseason and guys being excited to be there is, I don't know. I think that that's, like, sort of priceless in a way, especially as it, as it you know, juxtaposed that against going in limping. Like, that's, that's a big difference. You're talking Syracuse over there is what I hear. 6-0 mm. to 6-3 uh, or 6-4. and four. Did they lose again? I forgot to look. Oh, God. I don't know. Oh, my God. How do I, I leave the Syracuse football watching to you, John. <laughs> I needed a break from my vitamin C. It was too much, <laughs> too much for me to handle. Um, they lost 38-3 to to Florida State. Uh, they're 6-4. <laughs> uh, uh, not pleased. <laughs> not pleased, man. They have, they're at Wake Forest. Uh, that is, that they're not favored in that game. Mm -mm. They could go six and six. To your point, going six and six 
the way Michigan State did and going six and six the way Syracuse did feel very, very different. Yeah, correct. <laughs> About as different as you can get. Right. Mm, wow. Um, all right. Something to think about. Uh, next, moving on in the uh, game of unders, Iowa won 24 to 10 at home. Uh, Iowa's unders, I, have, I think, only have one loss this year. They are a wagon for me. So one thing I'll point out about this game, Iowa had 146 yards of offense and won by 14. It's bad. That's I don't I I don't know what else to say. Like that's it's You know what I think of? If I'm an Iowa fan, I'm almost like screaming excited because I won, but then you're looking and you're like, he can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> Brian Ferentz, like you can't bring him back just because we won by 14. That's not what happened. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's very uh Jesse Pinkman. Exactly. From Breaking Bad, yeah. Like crying. Yeah, keep getting away with that. I mean, it's true, and and Kirk will point to games like this as reasons to keep his son as the offensive coordinator. Like, w- wouldn't wouldn't you rather, if you're an Iowa fan, just have him look into the camera and give you the middle finger? Like, I would honestly much rather him just do that. Like, just just tell me you don't care. It's not. <laughs> it's I do not care what you think. I am a dictator. If you want to change things, fire me. Like, I would be like, you know what? No, move. If you want to change things, go to another team. Like, he's not going anywhere. Follow somebody else. Like, what what do you want? They didn't have a single play that went for 20 yards the whole game. Like, that's difficult to even, like, grasp. Come on. Like, I, I don't care. But the fact that it's like emotionally affecting me, I just wonder what happens to people in Iowa who are going through this. Uh, I certainly couldn't tell you. Um, and then uh, the Wisconsin, man, things getting weird over there too. Talk of uh, Braylon Allen transferring to Michigan. What? And, oh yeah. And uh, had, was asked about it after the game. Almost all the questions from reporters after the game were about that. So he denied all of it. Um, so wow, it's just a weird thing. Super odd situation. So you said what? something about like Jimbo having to keep guys around. You know, Jim uh, Leonard, the the interim head coach, that's going to be part of his job evaluation too. Yeah, I think he, I was just going to ask you if you thought he would make it. Um, I, I don't know, man, but if if you lose your starting running back to the transfer portal to, to a team in your own conference, like that's, that's not great. (laughs) You want to keep your talent around, especially when you don't have loads of it, um, kind of across the board. So yeah, that's going to be tough. Well, hold that question until a bit later and I'll have an answer. Minnesota took care of business versus Northwestern, 34 to three. And I just wanted to take this time to know how bad the Big Ten West is. No, I, it's so bad. I have a hard time. I have a hard time like thinking about it. It troubles me. Um, I mean, we currently have a four-way tie at four and three across 
the the top of the division. Um, none of those teams are Wisconsin, by the way. Um, it's Purdue, Illinois, Iowa, and Minnesota. Like, no matter what shakes out, you should all be ashamed of yourselves. It's, it's <laughs> so embarrassing. Um, I don't even know what to say. Like, I, I guess what I want to know is, no matter who it is, be it Michigan or Ohio State, like, what is the what is the spread going to be for that Big Ten championship game. It's going to be like 21 points. Well, Michigan, Illinois this week with Michigan, um, I think 17 and a half. I think yeah. they're being really nice to Illinois there. I was going to say that's a, that's a, you should, that you should frame that. That's a pretty <laughs> damn good, uh, pretty generous spread if you're an Illinois fan. Also, I think I'm going to go put in a bet as soon as we <laughs> hang up here. Seriously. Oh, man. So I there's nothing left to say about the Big Ten West that hasn't always already been said about war. Like, it is truly the worst thing I can think to say. So, um, all right. I, I don't want to talk about it anymore because I'm getting upset. The upcoming national games, you want to go through those and then around the Big Ten and we'll take a break and talk hoops? Love it. Okay, let's keep going. Um, TCU at Baylor. Um you don't want the dream to die here. You've come too far. No. You've come too far. But this just feels like one of those ones that's going to be really tricky. Because I know Baylor's not that great this year, but doesn't it feel like, oh, big emotional win at Texas, turn around, drop, you know, fumble the bag? I really hope not, but it, it would make me nervous. It, every, I don't know how TCU fans can even deal with this right now. Like, it's, 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 it's got to be so stressful. Well, I, I was on a call with a TCU fan recently, actually, and she said uh, she did all of her holiday decorating out of uh, stress while the TCU team at played. So her house is ready to rock for Christmas. She was so not she's planning well. on doing. I was like, well, what are you going to do this week? She was like, I have I don't know. I might undecorate, like do it all over again. St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Getting ready. It's a lot. It's a lot of stress every week. Um, here's a here's one to look at. Miami at Clemson, one that I think a lot of people circled at the beginning of the year. Clemson, a 19-point favorite. Miami um, needs to make a decision on if they're still going to be in the buy game or are they going to become a seller like a baseball team here. <laughs> like, I wonder if they considered that, like selling their contracts off <laughs> some of the nil deal. well didn't they just had um i think it was Jaden rashada just mm-hmm. flipped from mm-hmm. from miami to oh yeah florida, florida. and I, if i remember correctly he got himself a nice little bag at, originally at miami that may that probably checks out it's all falling yeah. apart man <sighs> ugly to not florida our, too yikes not our problem uh georgia at kentucky um, Kentucky, it's it's hoop season, as we'll get into here in a little bit, so they don't care. Uh, Kentucky, Louis should not be letting Kentucky off that easy. They lost at home to Vanderbilt this week. Oh boy, yeah, at home to Vanderbilt. A couple things I'm done with. I'm done with the Will Levis hype. I'm done yep. with it. I don't want anything to hear. I don't want to hear anything about it. We're done with that. That was fun. You had a good time. We're done. Um, in I'm kind of done with the Mark Stoop stuff. And I'm, you know, you have a 
you have a good quarterback for the first time like ever and you lose at home to Vandy. Like that's that's as bad a loss as you can have in college football. Mm-hmm. It's it's awful. I mean, I'm glad we're not letting him off the hook. I think Mark Stoops is still the best option for Iowa moving forward. <laughs> yes. And, and they will fall in love with his longtime record. He consistently won seven games. Like after he got him out of the the dumpster, they went seven wins, seven wins, ten wins, eight wins, five wins, ten wins. This year they'll win seven. Like I was like, yes, absolutely. Please. That sounds perfect to us. Just the right amount of success. <laughs> um Utah, Oregon. This one was going to be a little more fun if Oregon had won, but uh, it's four pretty dis- decent teams in the Pac-12. These two, uh, and then the the next game, USC at UCLA. Uh, that's the one with playoff implications. Yes, USC UCLA has turned into kind of like again. You keep saying elimination game, but that's kind of where we're at. USC is really now officially the only shot the Pac-12 has, so they need them to win that game, which means they'll probably find a way to lose it. Utah, Oregon is still a fun game just for, you know, if you like college football purposes. Um, Bo Nix is now officially a pumpkin again after last week. Oh, but, bummer. Yeah, which is, but this is my fault. It's my fault. I apologize, <laughs> Oregon fans. I officially said he was good, and he turns around and loses at home to Washington with your playoff hopes on the line. So this one's on me. But, yeah, USC would be extremely fraudulent in this year's playoffs. But they, they're they right there. They're right up there with just about everybody else. Consider this as a new rule. If Notre Dame beats you, you are unserious and you are a pretender. So we have Clemson in that category, North Carolina in that category, and then Notre Dame plays USC to end the year. So we'll see. I think it's fair. Fair litmus test. Um, any other games you had your eye on? Nothing especially jumping out at me. Um, let's see. Let's pull up the old schedule here just to make sure that I'm thinking correctly. Um, let's see here. Yeah, Illinois, Michigan. We talked about that. Let's see, Georgia, Georgia, Kentucky. Oof, that could get ugly quick. I think we just talked about that. Um, no, that's pretty much it. Colorado, Washington. This would be a very funny one to see Washington lose. I'll say that. Not possible. I'm sorry. Yeah, unlikely, certainly. Uh, around the Big Ten, Northwestern at Purdue. Purdue, a 20-point favorite here. Um, I can see Northwestern hanging around for longer than they should have. But, like, what's longer than they should have? Like, eight minutes? Mm-hmm. Purdue's not that good. It doesn't matter. Northwestern <laughs> is that bad. You're You're forgetting. You're that overestimating the Big Ten West best, the cream uh, of the crop no. of the Big Ten West. I think you're underestimating how <laughs> bad the bottom is. It's how many points? True. How many? How many points do you think they've scored in their last three games? Oh boy, eighteen points. Twenty. So again, maybe you've overestimated there. Outside of. <laughs> They scored 24 points against Maryland, and outside of that, they haven't scored more than that since the second week of the third week of the season. 
the third week of the season, by the way, a game they lost at home to Southern Illinois. I cannot express how bad this Northwestern team is. Fair point. All right. I can I can raise my hand and say I was wrong. I forgot about the Southern Illinois game. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin at Nebraska. So this is what I mentioned earlier. This game, you get to see if Jim Lanard is the head coach next year or not. Yeah. I mean, you if he loses this, this one, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was fun. Thanks for coming out. We're yeah. we're gonna we're gonna call it a day. Appreciate you keeping the uh, office chair warm. You can uh, keep moving. Um, last morning game, Illinois at Michigan. We talked about that a little bit. 17 and a half point favorite. Illinois just is not there. And you said you're going to go put a wager. I think that seems more than uh, ex- acceptable to put more than uh, what you'd usually put down on that, too. I would put it. Let's just say Illinois is the worst type of team to try and upset Michigan because they want to do the exact same things that Michigan does, but with way less talent. Yeah. <laughs> and against a team that practices against it all the time. So yeah, it's going to be ugly. I mean, like, yeah, whatever. Correct. Penn State at Rutgers. Penn State a 20 point favorite. Penn State quietly rolling. Um, yeah. You know, they're going to steamroll this game too. And. They're quietly going to be a, a top 10 ranked team with no shot at the playoff, but maybe that's just life as a Penn State fan. Yeah, it's a bit of a bummer for them, I'm sure. But, uh, I mean, listen, they're – talk about – honestly, they're just beating teams the way they're supposed to beat them and losing to the teams that they're supposed to lose to in commensurate fashion. Their only two losses are Michigan and Ohio State, and they kind of – smoked everybody else with the exception of Purdue in the first week. So, you know, what? Yeah, this, uh, this is best case scenario for us because James Franklin is not the ceiling on that guy and his program um, is, is lower than I think Mel Tucker's at Michigan state. So I want him there like they, and they can't ever get rid of him if he does like these nine, 10 win seasons. Yeah. Honestly, I think there's a lot of parallels between, the two unfortunately um in in good ways and bad i mean james franklin say whatever you want about his in-game coaching hell of a recruiter i mean he's gotten tremendous talent to that school but then you have these moments during the games where you're like what is happening here how did any of this (laughs) take place and i find myself feeling the same way about mel a lot unfortunately no it's true we're gonna own up to it um and so i would hope that mel develops a little more in that realm than james has but um if not you're probably looking at where michigan state would want to get to hopefully with some more frequent sure. you know upsets of of those two big goliaths ohio state at maryland 27 and a half point favorites here um the maryland coming off as zero points at penn state do you think they uh put up any home and at home against ohio state i think they'll score one I think they'll score on their first drive and then never again. That's pretty much what happens in these types of games. So you're going with like a 49-7 final? Yeah, like a 55-3 or something like that. Okay. And then another afternoon game, Iowa at Minnesota. I laugh because you just insert two bad teams every time we do a Big Ten West game. Yeah, it's all kind of the same. It's like the same exact teams playing the same exact team if you want to watch that. 
I mean, this is a game technically for first place in the division. Oh, man. Iowa <laughs> is tied for first place in that division. You should all be ashamed of yourselves. Seven and five division champs is is in within reach. Um, yeah. So quickly uh, about Indiana, we talked about them a touch, but uh, of note, um, Connor Bazelak is he did not play against Penn State and he was benched after three series against um, last week. Uh, so excuse me at Penn State. So he's like not starting. I think Dexter Williams is starting now. So mm-hmm. he's also struggled in his timeouts, I, I believe. So a lot of opportunity for Michigan State in this game, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, so are we going to do this preview now? Um, yeah. Before we talk hoops? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, my preview of this game is going to be more about not necessarily the team, that Michigan State's playing, but what it would, what this game should mean. This is senior day. You're playing against a team you should crush. Indiana is not a good team. Dexter Williams, like you said, uh, he's definitely more athletic, but I mean, he had 16 carries for 46 yards. You know, so that he's going he's going to provide a little bit of a different look from a quarterback than Bazelak is. But um, it's very much in the same vein of of Gavin Wimsatt. Not a highly efficient quarterback, but is capable of making big plays. Wouldn't expect to see too much different in terms of performance, quite honestly. Hopefully you can limit him a little bit more. But yeah, you need to win this game. It's just bottom line. It, it absolutely has to happen. Um, losing this game, I think, opens up the door for a lot of deserved criticism. Because, listen, give MSU a ton of credit. They won these last two games uh, You know, over Illinois and Rutgers. They've gotten them you know, kind of right of the ship here. But... Let's not pretend like those are world beaters. But that's Illinois and Rutgers. Illinois, yes, fun story. You've seen what they actually are. Rutgers, you know, they are what they kind of always are, maybe a slightly improved version. And it's not like and, and both of those teams had chances to win those games down the stretch. So MSU is, is you know, things are going better. Great. Awesome. We love it. But let's not misconstrue that with things being good. So what I mean I'm saying is don't take Indiana for granted. Go out there, take care of business. Doesn't need to be pretty. But you have to win this game. You have to give yourself a shot against Penn State. Again, that's a long shot, but we've seen this team have flashes of, of brilliance. Um, and you know that they would love to go ruin Penn State's senior day, surely. But you can't get caught looking ahead. Win this game, you secure those bowl practices, which we talked about time and time again, are just monstrously important to a roster that's that's currently situated the way Michigan State's is. And you you just you have to win. These are games that you can't lose. We circled these on the on the schedule from day one. Illinois, Rutgers, Indiana is three kind of must win games, and you're you're two thirds of the way there. So uh, you you got to get it done. Give yourself a chance to to make it a seven win regular season and get to a bowl game uh, to make it even better. So and this I said it before, but like the momentum that you can create going into an off season here when you're recruiting against a lot of teams that are going the opposite direction mm-hmm. is maybe as important as the actual result on the field. It's not as important because one begets the other, but if you are able to win four of your last six, maybe even win a bowl game five of your last seven and have that positive upswing, that positive momentum going into next year, we know it doesn't necessarily ensure success. I mean, just look at this season, but it at least gives you 
the ability to still do what you're doing on the recruiting trail and not be fighting uphill. You're still able to sell the same dream to all these kids and um, maybe even get some of the guys back that had previously committed to other programs. You know, I think of uh, some of the kids that committed to maybe Texas A&M, uh, a handful of others, Miami. Um, you, you can still do a lot of good, and this season can be something that you can build on, presuming you can win this game. So there's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. But, I mean, at the same time, if you just play to your ability, you will win. So just, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to. Agreed do anything great you just like don't pee the bed it's like that is, <laughs> so, so i tell myself every night i'm like hey yeah don't pee the bed it was a good night I, every it works night, sometimes <laughs> almost undefeated all right <laughs> six uh should we take a break talk hoops sure all right three two one We are back, John. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Michigan State basketball also back. Uh, unfortunately, so was the uh, so were the results that we see from so many of these early season matchups. This time, Michigan State losing by one point on an aircraft carrier to Gonzaga. John, I'm going to let you start. I was having fun for a really long time until I stopped having fun. Um, you know, there's a lot of good things to take away. A funny game um, for a lot of reasons. The free throws on both sides, bad. Three-point three shooting on both sides, bad. Um, kind of can be expected, right? So it was going to come down to, you know, who is tougher, um, all things considered. And Michigan State was for longer stretches in this game and lost. And it's really disappointing. Because it's like a, I think they got a 96 game score. And it's hard to lose games when you (laughs) have a 96 game score. So that sucks. But, you know, it's it's also hard for me to, like, have a real moral victory type of thing. Because, like, how many NBA guys did you see on their team? You know, like, just because they're the number two team in the country doesn't mean that there was, like, a talent gap of you know in the way that msu lost to duke in the tournament last year you know what i mean like they had lottery guys and you're like well okay this to me i was just like not thrilled because i thought this team would at least be the team that was going to be tough enough if not more talented but definitely tough enough to win a game that came down to toughness and that was what was disappointing to me even though they played well enough to win they still ultimately lost. Yeah. I mean, I I'll admit I was kind of joking and I'm, I'm part of me is joking. Part of me is serious. Like I almost would have rather just gotten blown out. <laughs> like the, and, and obviously that is tongue in cheek because you don't, you don't want to get embarrassed on, on national television. And I, I think Michigan state actually acquitted themselves pretty well in that regard, but like, this is a game where even if that's the number two team in the country, like you had them, you're up 12 points in the second half. You got to find a way to close. You got to find a way to close. This is a Michigan state team with a ton of experience, a ton of upperclassmen, especially at those important positions in the backcourt. Like you, you need to find ways to close that game out and they just couldn't do it. Um, Gonzaga 
you know, I, I, Timmy obviously was, was pretty incredible. Um, maybe got away with a few things here and there, but that's the benefit of the doubt you get when you're, when you have, when you've done what he's done. So fair, yeah. fair play in my opinion. Um, in terms of the good things, I hope Michigan state sticks with the downhill style play. If we saw from the guards, I mean, we've seen it from Hogard many, many times, but like, I just thought they did such a good job of going to the rack, finding Maddie Sissoko, who was an absolute revelation in this game. Like that's the type of play you need from him. If you want to actually do anything this year. Um, but I just thought the guards did a great job of attacking and it got them in foul trouble and, you know, put Michigan state in a position where they should have beaten the number two team in the country. Uh, they, they should have won that game. Um, they just kind of fell apart towards the end. So, you know, hopefully this is a learning moment for them. They can grow. Um, but I think they actually found something offensively that they can, you know, use down the stretch. I, I, my only caveat, I guess, is, is like, I'm a little bit, I don't think Michigan State is on the same level as Gonzaga. And I think that the conditions legitimately mm-hmm. kept that game closer than it would have been on a neutral court inside because you saw that the, the outside shooting from both teams was horrific, just awful. Like just some of the worst misses you'll ever see. And it's not a coincidence that this game is being played like outdoors on a ship. Like I, I think those two go together. I don't think it's crazy to draw that parallel or that, that you know, the mm-hmm. line from one to the other. Um, so it makes me a little bit more nervous about some of these other games. And, and listen, it goes both ways. Michigan State has some guys that should be pretty good shooters. They couldn't get anything going. Um, but yeah, I, I, that, it, it, it's worrisome. It's a missed opportunity, I think, more than anything else is the the bummer of it. It's like that should be a great win on your resume, and instead it's just another loss. Yeah, it's a point, So, but still. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I have a hard time pulling, taking away too many overarching parallels aside from bummer that they lost use this as a growing moment and just keep attacking on offense because they at least looked assertive which was nice to see yeah and i think the the other piece is maddie sissoko showed some of a new level that if he is actually that good and didn't just have the best game of his career like if he's actually that then you that changes the season in my eyes i don't i it almost felt like maybe they wasted a performance of his yeah. Hey, maybe he is that now. That would be fantastic. Um, but I, I think there's going to be games where he isn't that impactful, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, he had 14 and nine I, in in a block, and he you know, he did fall out, and you kind of knew that would happen. But um, I guess that was a really nice bright spot, and and um, certainly still an area of the team that has a lot of question marks, but. Um, you know, you can feel good about that. I mean, he was huge. You need that. Like that, that's the guy we've been waiting for, for how many years? Yeah. Um, and, and that's part of the offensive thing I was talking about. Like they're running a ton of pick and rolls with him. He was an absolute force. Um, but this is where the depth becomes a problem. And this is, and you saw it manifest itself with so many minutes for a guy like Jackson Kohler, who was just totally out of his depth in that game. I don't doubt so, that he'll, he'll tough. find what's that. I, and he, yeah, I just feel like it's tough because the first game is against Drew Timmy is some of the best footwork and, you know, he'll ever play against. And then the next one will probably be against Oscar uh, Tishibwe. And that sucks. It's, it sucks. It, it, honest, quite honestly, Drew Timmy is who Jackson Kohler should be 
trying yeah. to be like. That's who we should be emulating. And it's not, again, it, I'm not trying to put fault on him. He's thrown into an extremely difficult situation. There's nothing he can do. But right. the fact that he had to get thrown into that situation speaks to the roster building issues that we've talked about before. And that this is where, once again, recruiting misses come back to hurt you when you have depth like that that's, that's not there. Whereas, you know, you saw Gonzaga bring, um, I believe it's Naz Reed's brother. Yeah. Uh, After Reed. Yeah, off. Yeah, after read off the bench, who's just an impact player. So, I mean, that's that's what we're talking about. That's why one team's ranked number two. That's why the other, you know, isn't ranked. Yeah, well, uh, MSU's certainly going to get another crack uh, at a huge resume win um, a couple times this week, Austin, playing in the uh, Champions Classic uh, the 15th, and then uh, the Gavit Games at home versus Villanova on the 18th. Kentucky, we did mention Oscar Tishiwehi is allegedly going to play, um, but he also might be on like a minute ceiling because he's still coming back from an injury and um, you'd hate to push it just to play in a non-conference game, right? But yeah, if he plays, you want to beat him at their best, I, I you know, but at the same time, MSU has a much, much better chance to win if he's not playing. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a really interesting Kentucky team in that it's a lot of upperclassmen and transfers. Like when you think of Kentucky, I think they're the they're the first team aside from maybe Duke, where you think of oh they're just going out and getting you know five stars in every class and you know everything's they're just like a powerhouse on the recruiting trail. That's really not the case for this team at all. I mean, if you go up and down the roster, uh, I mean C.J. Frederick is a starter for them. He's an Iowa transfer. Um, Antonio Reeves is another guy who's leading the team in scoring right now. He's, I believe he's like Illinois state transfer. Jacob Toppin is Obi Toppin's younger brother's a transfer to is a transfer. I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible, like how they've put this team together and they do have their fair share of great young players. I mean, the, the guy who will probably be stepping in for, um, Tishibwe is Ugona Onyeso, who was, a, I think is a high four-star recruit. Um, there's a case in Wallace was a five-star, uh, combo guard freshman, who's going to be, you know, pretty impactful for them, I would think, down the stretch here of the season. Um, so it's a really good team. I think Michigan State should be glad they're playing Kentucky this year in the Champions Classic instead yeah. of next year when they have DJ Wagner, uh, the number one recruit in the country who just committed there uh, today, in fact. Um, Dude. For you old heads, the, the other son of the, the son of Dewan Wagner, which made oh. me feel monumentally old. Yeah, that was tough. Um, and then he played, his dad played for... Calipari. That's how long Calipari's been around. Oh my God, that's wild. His grandpa is a, on the staff at Louisville, so things are not going well for the Cards. Going to be a weird Christmas. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, anything else on the Kentucky game? Yeah, nothing especially. I do. I will say though, this is your point about Manny Sissoko earlier is huge. Like, if he just proves that, oh, I'm just this guy now, or I'm something close to it. It's going to be a massive, massive gain for Michigan State, uh, just like as a whole. And this is kind of like a a must perform situation if you're him. The if awesome you're going to be that, now is the time to be it. The awesome thing is we've seen it. So now Izzo can be like, I know it's in there, man. Like right. you have to just do it more consistently, and you can get paid for this. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of how it boils down to. Then uh, playing Villanova. As I mentioned in the Gavit games, this is a tr- 
Kyle Neptune's first season, so it'll be a, a bench without Jay Wright, which will look odd. They were uh, upset at Temple, 68 to 64, crazy game already this year. Kind of a traditional Villanova team in that they don't have a, a true, you know, overpowering center, uh, a lot of length, and a lot of ball handlers. So, um, you know, with that loss was pretty shocking. Um, I think the Philadelphia college games kind of have a different level of intensity. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. look at it like as like a normal, I don't know, team lost to a Mac team or something. It's, yeah. So it's not so, as bad as, it, yeah, it's yeah. not as bad as like a normal non-con loss. I think you would just like, like it's, it's not exactly the same, but yeah, like you said, it's a, it's a smaller team. I think it's a very interesting um very interesting opportunity for Michigan State. And again, this is one where Sissoko can come out and be a, a difference maker. It's a huge gain for Michigan State. Um, the guy they're going to have the toughest time guarding, though, is Eric Dixon, who feels like he's been there for a million years, but is somehow just a junior. 6'8", 255, just sort of uh, – Millie Call is probably going to guard him. He's sort of the same dude, but um, plays a little more down low and is a little bit thicker than Malik. So that'll be a very – very interesting matchup. Um, and you got to think they're going to come out looking to, you know, redeem themselves in a big game. So another, another tough one for MSU. I mean, it, if we're being honest, you just, you really have to hope to split these two. Like you got to get one of the two. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. This is going to be the type of non-con that's that for the foreseeable futures is going to be brutal. I mean, it just Gonzaga, in a way, it's encouraging Michigan State hung with them because that's the type caliber of team they're going to be playing in a large part down the you know for the next couple of weeks. Um, you just have to hope that that they didn't get beaten down by blowing that game, and that that's instead they're looking in the mirror and saying, "Okay, we're good enough to hang with with anybody," and and that's the attitude they come out with on Tuesday night against Kentucky. If Michigan State hangs with Kentucky, they're going to beat the hell out of Villanova. Yeah, because- I would agree. Because they're going to be coming home. That place, Breslin's going to be amped up. And I, Villanova's already shown that they get shook in a away environment. They lost to Temple on the road. So, um, lot, but we'll learn a lot in the Kentucky game if that's even a possibility. Because if they just, you know, turtle and then <laughs> any game's up for grabs, right? So we'll learn a lot. Uh, that's why they play them. You're darn right. Um, <laughs> I hope that they are able to hang because this will, it's not going to shape how we see the season as a whole, but this, uh, this, (laughs) it's not out of the realm of possibility that the, the, the non-kind gets like really ugly. And I think you'll know if it's going to get really ugly after this week, like you said, because they should be able to make it a game with Kentucky and they should be able to hang with Villanova and that's a home game. So, you know, Fingers crossed, but I, I just hope they can get one this week because they deserve it after how they played for most of that game against Gonzaga. Have you considered winning both of them? Mm. Yeah, me personally, yes. However, I am not at this point in time a, a member of the coaching staff for now. Moderate. It conflicts with my it conflicts with my co commissioner role, so I have to be cognizant of that. I will be monitoring the situation on, <laughs> two, on the two and zero weekend. Yeah. All right. Anything else? I think that's it, man. All right. Cool. 
All right, guys, as always, thanks for sticking with us. For John, this has been Austin. I'll catch you next week. Yep.